Hi, to all you boys and girls out there in podcast land, be sure to stay after the credits for an extended bonus segment between me and show regulars JT and Yolanda. It's almost long enough to be its own standalone bonus episode, but I included it here because it's directly related to one other interview that's referenced in this episode. I think you'll get a kick out of it. Don't forget to subscribe to the show in iTunes if you like what we're doing, and leave us a rating and review. All right, on with the show. Take one, take ten, Action. I'm a huge fan of romantic comedies. When they're done right, I recently saw a trailer for a romantic comedy that looks both funny and poignant. The kind of film that will not only make you laugh, but will lift your heart and give you hope in humanity. Here, let me play a bit of it for you. Meet Jack Torrance. I'm outlining a new writing project. He's a writer looking for inspiration. Lots of ideas. No good ones. Meet Danny. He's a kid looking for a dad. There's hardly anybody to play with around here. What's up, Doc? Jack just can't finish his book. Now, if you're a well-versed cinephile, you'll undoubtedly recognize those names. They're probably on the tip of your tongue. It's a fun and delightful little romp of a movie called... Well, technically it's called The Shining, and if you haven't already figured it out, that was not a trailer for a real movie. It's actually a 2012 fan-made trailer comprised of scenes from the horror and thriller classic The Shining, based on the Stephen King novel, starring Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall. I played that clip to illustrate a point. That, through the manipulation of visual and audio, from the juxtaposition of sound bites to the use of music and the inclusion of a peppy voiceover, what was one of the most terrifying cinematic experiences you can have was relegated to a B-movie rom-com. And you can go in the other direction, too. See if you can guess this movie. We have nothing in common. Oh, sure we do. We love each other. I want a divorce. Reality, Mr. Hillard, is that your lifestyle has been very unorthodox. That was the fan-made trailer for the 1993 comedy Mrs. Doubtfire, starring the late great Robin Williams and two-time Oscar winner Sally Field. Just a juggling of some scenes and sound bites, combined with some creepy sound effects and erratic visual filters, and voila, what was a comedy becomes a psychological horror flick. Media, and specifically visual media like videos, movies, photographs, are extremely powerful tools for shaping public opinion and perception. But how much of it can we really trust? Can our eyes and ears deceive us? What's before and after the head and tail of those clips that provide important and relevant information? What don't you see behind the scenes that paints a picture of what's really happening? In 1987's broadcast news, 
Holly Hunter plays an extremely talented, albeit often emotionally unstable, news producer Jane Craig. Albert Brooks, who also wrote, produced, and directed the film, plays Aaron Altman, another talented producer who lacks the physical charm needed to be in front of the camera. Those gifts fall on Tom Grunick, played by William Hurt. Brooks's character Aaron has a thing for Jane, but Jane has a thing for Tom. It's the classic lopsided romantic triangle. In one scene in the movie, we see Tom conduct a heartfelt interview with a woman who breaks into tears. The interview cuts to a shot of Tom as tears fall from his eyes. Clearly, he's been moved by this woman's story. This naturally endears Tom even more to Jane. But Brooks's character, Aaron, smells a rat. Knowing this was a one-camera shoot, he wonders, how can you cut to a shot of Tom crying when all the shots of Tom were essentially B-roll reaction shots long after the woman would have told the story? Also knowing how much of a stickler Jane is for journalistic integrity, without telling her why, Aaron encourages Jane to watch the raw tape of the shoot. In doing so, she realizes what Tom has done. I sit here, I nod my head, I look nerdy. Tom, it kills me we didn't get you on camera. So powerful seeing your reaction. Really? For a second there, I thought you were going to cry yourself. That would have been something. Give me a minute. Tom makes himself cry. In that moment, Jane gets further confirmation that Tom represents everything she detests in journalism, and she's disgusted with her misplaced affection for him. I sometimes wonder how much of this happens in real life. Can we trust what we see and or hear? Why is it so important that you want to contact the governments of our Earth? Because of death. Because all you of Earth are idiots! Mention names like CNN and those on the political right will immediately cast doubt into every word that's uttered from the channel. On the other side of the tracks, Fox News is an ongoing punchline for jokes by people on the left. Then there's the quote-unquote journalism by everyday Jane and John Doe's, quick to whip out their cell phone and capture some horrible transgression. Well, today on the show, we're going to discuss this topic of truth in media and how our roles as filmmakers come into play. What responsibilities do we have in utilizing our powers as storytellers to convey truth? And is there more than one kind of truth that you can convey? You see? You see? Your stupid minds! Stupid! Stupid! I'm Ron Dawson, and this is Radio Film School Shortens. So, what got me thinking about this topic in the first place was a long conversation I had with world-renowned wedding filmmaker Ray Roman. Ray is arguably one of the most successful wedding filmmakers on the planet. He's literally flown around the world to teach aspiring filmmakers how he does what he does. Ray also happens to be an ex-SWAT officer, at either near or over 6 feet tall, and probably close to 200 pounds. He's the last person you might expect to craft beautiful and emotionally moving wedding videos. Now, earlier this summer, Ray and I were having a spirited debate on Facebook about some recent police shootings captured on video and whether there needs to be additional training of officers to avoid these unfortunate deaths. 
Naturally, Ray has a strong connection to officers and is angered by the bad rap he feels cops are getting, largely due to judgment being placed on cops due to what I'm calling YouTube journalism. To Ray's credit, he DM'd me on Facebook and said, hey, let's hash this out on the phone. He gave me permission to record the conversation for the podcast. Our entire conversation was over two hours, but it was this short excerpt that got me thinking about this topic. Here's Ray. That was my whole argument on, on Facebook. Right. Was it, it, I never came out, and you know this. Mm-hmm. I didn't say the cops were right. It, you know, there's no bad cops. There's no bad decisions made. There's no bad judgment calls made. Mm-hmm. I just said, Jesus Christ, let the facts come out before we destroy each other. Before, before there's chaos in the country, uh, you know, before America's just ripped in half and everybody's divided and everybody hates each other, let the facts come out. You know, let the facts come out, and, and if it comes out that the officer acted with malice in his heart, and he wasn't justified in killing Philando or the other guy that also had a gun, then they're going to pay for their actions. And I you think know, and that's. I, but what happens? We don't live in an uncivilized society where you know we make we make these uh, decisions based on a on a cell phone video. We we hold court on Facebook. And then it's just total chaos in the streets, and then we start gunning down police officers. Well, no, but I don't. I don't think the issue is. I don't think. The, I but don't that's think, what's happening. Sure, like you said, there's always going to be bad seeds. It's, but the it's issue total is. Chaos. But the issue isn't about. But the, the issue isn't about judging those police officers strictly based on what you see in the video. The issue but is. They did. But they obviously, did. there there are people who are going to do that regardless, and that's not no, without. Ron, be honest. We'll be honest about what you don't. You don't think America has judged these cops based on those that cell phone video, right? But but here's the so thing. you can't say they haven't but, been judged by the cell phone video. No, no, no. I'm, no, I'm not saying they. I'm not saying they haven't been judged. I'm I'm saying the issue isn't that we want to start judging cops based on cell phone videos. The issue is time after time again. You have all these incidents that you're saying. Are, let, let, let me finish my point. Okay. Let me finish let my me, point. Let me let finish. Okay. You have all these incidents um, going, starting back with Rodney King. And oh, you, come on. Let, that's a stereotype because you have to go back to Rodney King. But, but that's where it started. But, but, but why, but why a negate? Stereotype. What's, how is that, that a stereotype? That was an isolated incident. Because that's an isolated an incident. Isolated was incident, all over the news. An isolated incident. But an isolated incident where... All the officers involved from a were white. Well, no, but but I'm not even talking about and the racial. Black subject. I'm not even talking about the racial part. I'm just talking about part of like part of like Trevor Noah's video. Again, the video started all this was about okay, the you know, and he mentioned it like in Las Vegas where they acknowledged that there was a problem and that by addressing the problem, they were able through de-escalation training to reduce the number of. Because you just said yourself, when a cop pulls that trigger, it's life-defining. So why not create policies or de-escalation training that allows you to reduce the number of times the officer has to pull the trigger? In Las Vegas, they reduced the percentage of police deaths by th- police shootings by 36%. So the point was, regardless of I've, the racial issue, is, is there I've, enough – let me finish. Is there enough of a pattern, okay, where, okay, there seems to be a pattern in terms of how – 
police are trained that yield more police shootings than there probably needs to be. I'm not saying they all don't deserve at some point to be police shootings. I'm saying, you know, the other point that Trevor made was that when one gorilla was shot, people were in outrage and wanted to make change. So here you have, and, you know, when you poo-poo the Rodney King thing, yes, that was one incident, but... You have Ronnie exactly. King. They took one but you, incident. But you, then you have Oscar painted. Grant. How about Oscar Grant in Fruitvale Station? Is that just, again, just one incident? What about Tamir Rice? Is that just one incident? I mean, if you have Wait three. Wait a minute. Tamir Rice was waving a gun around in a park. A, a, a replica gun that in no way, shape, or form looked like a toy gun, uh, Ron. I understand and, that. And again, we weren't there. And again, the officer was exonerated. Ray feels so negatively about YouTube cell phone videos and the like and the court of public opinion that he admittedly doesn't even watch them. As far as he's concerned, they're unreliable. It was frustrating to me that he judged these videos and their content without even seeing them. But I wanted to delve deeper into this topic. What did other respected filmmakers think about the state of citizen journalism via YouTube and Facebook videos? So, later that week, I was on a call with Radio Film School show regulars J.D. and Yolanda. J.D. is an independent filmmaker, and Yolanda, as you know, is a producer in Hollywood. Since they're practically co-producers of this podcast, I let them hear the entire two-plus-hour conversation that I had with Ray, which covered a whole litany of other topics like Black Lives Matter, police training, what the life of a cop is really like, etc. It was Ray's intention to communicate essentially the cop side of the story. Now, as usually is the case, I got Jade and Yolanda on Skype to discuss a completely different topic, the differences between how men and women communicate. It was for our Breaking the Glass miniseries that we're doing about gender inequality in Hollywood. Eventually, we got to the topic of my conversation with Ray, and I asked Jade and Yo their thoughts on citizen journalism and truth in media. Because one of the things I wanted to talk about, and we'll just address it briefly because um, I have to get off soon. But I definitely wanted, since I have you on, I wanted to get your comment on it. This idea of um, YouTube, I'm calling it YouTube journalism, where you have, you know, people with their cell phones taking videos of stuff. And it came up in my conversation with uh, uh, Ray Roman about, you know, because I kept using the example of all these examples of police brutality or police killing people that are caught on videos and he was essentially he was poo-pooing those videos because it's youtube almost saying it's less um uh it's has less somehow not legitimate even though you right. physically you're looking at the brutality happening right, right in front of your right face. because it's, it's like, because it's because people on because YouTube. fox news didn't air it it doesn't count <laughs> oh i don't I don't even say that, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to say that shit. Yeah, because Fox and Aaron don't count. Your thoughts on that? Well, the point he specifically made is like you don't see what's happening before the video or what's happening after the video. Okay, gotcha. And he's always saying, you know, let's just wait for the facts to come out. And and I was saying, I kind of hear what you're saying, but when you have like this many examples – and I brought up and I and I say going back as far as Rodney King, he was like, "Oh, you got to bring up Rodney King." And I'm like, <laughs> and I was like, "But dude, I mean, like, 
like your eyes don't lie. Like you don't. So yeah, we do have to bring up Rodney King. We got to bring up a whole bunch of shit. It's a whole. It's not just Rodney King. It's a whole bunch, one after the other. And it's something that's been known in the black community forever. You know, now and, and now there's video. Now white people are starting to. Oh wow, this does. I remember when Rodney King went down, and everybody was shocked. And oh, oh my goodness, I I can't believe this has happened. I'm like, shit, I believe it. I've seen shit like this outside my house. It's interesting we conflated because what there's a phenomenon now with cameras being everywhere and also coinciding with the fact that anybody can load from their cameras to the world on the internet. That's recent history. Right. Okay. So I've had conversations completely unrelated to what we're talking about right now, but about like, say for instance, crime. Like I've had conversations about, Oh, has, are we more paranoid now about things that have been going on since the dawn of time or at least the last, call it 50 years, but because we now know about it and we're now so much more hyper aware about, aware about it because of the proliferation of information and video and all these things. Like, yeah, are we now thinking, oh, my God, all this. So, so there are those who would say, Oh, you know, this, you know, now suddenly all these people are putting these things suddenly, you know, they've they've got these cameras and they think this is going on, but they're not seeing the rest of. Okay, it's a separate. I'm going to have a separate discussion about editorial, but where's all the videos of when the cops get it right or where's all the videos of when, you know, the criminals are doing X, Y and Z. You're not seeing all that video. The only thing that's sensational is the videos where the cops are doing wrong. But actually, from a statistical standpoint, that's really not all that prevalent, which I completely disagree with. But so, you know, there's a conflation of all these things happening at once separately. Although I am not in agreement with this guy on the police brutality issue, there is something to be said, and it's across the board of whether we're talking about Black Lives Matter issues or we're talking about Kim Kardashian or whoever in these videos that get loaded or Justin Bieber, whoever of, you know, for instance, here's a great example. The um, Kanye West and, and Taylor Swift, you know, have had this recent beef about him putting her in the song. And then Kim Kardashian released Kanye on the phone with Taylor and Taylor saying, oh, yeah, sure, that's fine, blah, 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 blah. But now Taylor's saying, well, but he didn't say this and you didn't hear the whole conversation. And so I think it's very valid. And I often have a conversation with some friends of mine of I never, you know, start commenting on something like that until I know the full context of everything that goes on. Because even like news sources that I rely upon that I watch all the time, I'm like, well, that's edited. So I need to know the full story of what's going on here before I make a judgment. Going back, though, to the YouTube question, I disagree with him that you know, the platform of the video in and of itself invalidates somehow or, you know, uh, detracts from the credence of the claims. I mean, it's it's a little silly. I mean, yes, things are edited. And yes, that is not the whole story of what happened. However, it certainly should be evaluated and taken as part of the picture of what happened. Even if you know, there was extenuating circumstances that did lead up to the video. If that's the case, 
then that's something that needs to come out through, you know, investigation and so on and so forth and should necessarily play a part in determining what comes of the case. But that in and of itself doesn't mean somehow now this video is is irrelevant somehow or invalidated. Knowing that there was a chance that J. Daniel Linda's point of view would probably be closer to mine, I also wanted to explore what another respected filmmaker thought. Someone who I knew would be one of the most impartial yet knowledgeable filmmakers on this topic. So I turned to longtime friend, colleague, and documentary director Brett Culp, creator behind the hope-filled and inspirational documentaries Legends of the Night and the upcoming Look to the Sky. As a side note, be sure to check out the links on the blog posts of this episode uh, and support Brett in his current film that he's trying to produce, Look to the Sky. Uh, If you hear this within a few weeks of the recording, there's still a chance to help him get this film made. But this is what Brett had to say on the topic. I personally am pretty cynical today about the state of journalism, period. Mm, tell me about that. And even though I'm a very optimistic person, and the reason is, is because I feel like journalists has essentially given up on even trying to be impartial. Um, I realize that we're human beings and we're never going to be truly impartial. And, and I don't want us to be, frankly. Because one of our strengths is our storytelling ability, which is always giving meaning to events. You know, the essence of storytelling is giving meaning to an event. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like the days of trying to legitimately show multiple sides and be willing as journalists and storytellers to say, here's my take. But I'm also going to, in a very real way, communicate the other side of this in a way that legitimizes it to some extent Mm -hmm. and acknowledges the fact that these things are complicated, that all of the things that are controversial are complicated. And anybody that would act like something like abortion is not complicated, in my judgment, is not to be trusted because it's complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I feel... Because of that, because of my belief that there are very few journalists that are really open to truly presenting both sides, I feel like this citizen journalism is more being used to drive certain things and certain agendas without giving all the context. So essentially, you're seeing two minutes of a YouTube clip, but you don't know what happened five minutes before it, five minutes after it, or two years before it. And so you're not getting the kind of journalistic integrity of context that that you might have gotten years ago when people were spending a year of investigative journalism on a story before it went to print. And so... Because of that, my feeling is that even though I love, love, love the idea of citizen journalism, what I'm seeing happen with it on social media is much more of people looking at it and then using it to promote their own agendas and their own beliefs about social issues rather than using those clips as a way 
of really opening legitimate, authentic dialogue between good-hearted, good people on both sides of these issues. So does that make sense? And I'm not sure if I really answered your question. No, it does. But that's, the, that's what goes off in me initially. Yeah, yeah, no, it does. And, you know, the reason why I bring up the question, because, you know, a colleague of ours, Ray Roman, and I got into, funny enough, a Facebook debate over, um, you know, he's an ex-cop, and so he's very, he's very connected to his fellow men in blue. And yeah. yep. we were, yep. um, I forgot what the topic was, but it, it was related to one of the recent issues of uh, a black person being killed in, by a police officer. And yes. yes, and so he and I were going back and forth on some topic and he, re- you know, credit to him, he reached out to me, you know, personally via a private message and say, hey, let's get on the phone and talk about it. And I said, would you be open to me recording the conversation? Because I've been thinking about doing a piece on media, truth and media. And I think this would be great. So he yeah. and I got on and we had like a two and a half hour talk. But at, wow. one, but at one point, he, I was bringing up a number of examples of people, both black and white, who had been killed by officers and was captured on video. And he said something similar to what you said, where we don't, you know, one, let's wait till we get all the facts in, but we don't know what happened on either side of that video. And I was That's saying, right. um, and, I, and I was saying, I understand that, but within the, with what I'm seeing, there is a story within what I'm seeing. Like there is context even for what I'm seeing. So, at right, some point, right, right. you can look at what you're saying, and regardless of what happened before or after, you could say, "Okay, this is a point where it seems like they could have." I agree. Person, something like that, and so, but yes, 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 it doesn't legit. What what I just said doesn't legit delegitimize a moment where some sort of atrocity is committed. Absolutely, right, right, yeah. But I bring it up not so much about that topic but about he had made a comment that seemed to he made some offhanded comment that seemed to poo poo citizen journalism in general he said oh you're basing this on some stupid youtube video he didn't say stupid but he was he was discounting the validity he was discounting the validity of the video simply because it was on youtube and it was shot by some average person and i was saying i you know i think there's validity to your point that we don't know what happened on either ends of that video but video is still video, and there are certain things that you can react to within the context of it, regardless of whether or not it was shot on a cell phone and a smartphone or or if you had a trained journalism in there with you know, a DVX-100. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And so that's why I wanted and, to get and I think, your thoughts yes, on that. Yeah. Yes, and I think that's the issue. Now, the question is, so you can look at that and say, okay, here is the thing. What What's difficult for me, and it's this, it's this, dynamite combination of social media combined with citizen journalism is that then the question still becomes, you have this reality. What's the problem? What is the real problem here? What is the issue? What is the solution? And that's where these things become, you know, nitroglycerin for me. It's like, okay, you see this, but that does not necessarily mean the problem is this. Right. The problem could be this, it could be this, it could be this, or it could be a combination of all of those factors. And where social media gets, the combination of citizen journalism and social media gets frustrating for me is when somebody watches a clip but brings their assumptions to it and not deep research or deep understanding. Mm -hmm. And 
Now, what's going viral is a mentality that is not really based on a deeper understanding of what's causing these things and what the solutions can be, right. but just a knee-jerk reaction to what the problem is and what the solution must be. Yeah, And I think that is what that combination is, for me, the dangerous side of it. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it's the thing about, you know, like, uh, there's a wonderful article that Joel Stein wrote for the newest issue of Time. Mm-hmm. And it's about trolls and about hate on the Internet. And he's essentially, in the introduction to that article, paints a picture of, you know, the Internet was supposed to be about the free sharing of ideas. It was supposed to be about how we're going to be more open and sharing and information is going to flow freely. But instead, it's being used by closed-minded people to, to force their agenda on you, whether you're interested in it or not. And that's both from the right and the left. And you know that's where this combination is difficult because now we have essentially when citizen journalism just becomes more ammunition for your particular political viewpoint rather than an opportunity to share information and have real dialogue. Now it's not helpful. Now it's just more bullets flying through the air. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it, it falls on the responsibility of the person watching, which, you know, the internet, we, as we were discussing earlier, (laughs) the, uh, sometimes people can't see beyond what they already believe or, or what they already want to believe. It's so hard for us to separate our personal perspectives and with these things then then ignite what what are very nuanced discussions with complex solutions into slogans, sound bites and villainizing and victimization where a lot of times it's more complex than that. And I'm not just talking about this white cops beating up black guys. I'm talking about anything. I'm talking sure. about Shooting, shooting an ape in a zoo or a child being eaten by an alligator at Disney World or, you know, whatever it is that is our outrage of the week. Um, not to say, not to minimize any of those things, but this is what we do. You know, yeah. <laughs> this is how the social media tends to run. Yeah. Well, you know what that reminds me of and makes me think about is just how, how, our own experiences affect how we respond to any kind of visual medium, whether it's a photograph or even a movie. Um, I remember a number of years ago, over 20 years ago, um, my the church I was attending at the time had this really cool series called um, The Gospel According to Hollywood. And mm-hmm. they showed a, di- yeah. a bunch of different videos that weren't many of many of which weren't specifically related to like the gospel, but they were related yeah. to spiritual issues, right? Yeah. The first video that we watched in the series was actually The Matrix, and yeah, what was interesting was how, and and this is a point that the person who was teaching the cast brought up was, obviously everyone in this particular cast were Christian, they were self defined Christians, and and how they saw Christian themes all throughout the matrix. Obviously, you know, Neo is the one and go on and on and on. You can see, you know, how he died and came to life again. Obviously there are all these Christian yep. themes. You can see it again, but he was commenting how show the same video to a Buddhist and they'll see Buddhist themes, you know, throughout yeah. it. 
And so you can show the same movie to two different people, but because of their deep rooted beliefs and whatever, whether it's political or you know, religious, or whatnot, they see that movie differently. That's correct. Yeah, that's, that, that's correct. And it's a great point. And it, it, it's why, I mean, even I have to admit to doing it. I mean, I bring to documentary, the documentary films that I make a spirit of hope and you're not going to get it out of me. It is, it is the perspective I view the world through. And so when I walk into a situation and I walk into a story, I'm looking really for a universal message of hope in it. Now, someone else would walk in with a universal looking for a message of chaos or looking for a message of selfishness or the dark side of humanity. And they would tell a different story about those same events. And which is why, even though I'm not a relativist in every facet of my life, that, you know, I'm not going to say there's not an absolute truth. There are absolute truths, but when it comes to story and the way we use story, it's always subjective whether you're using it like Hitler did or you're using it like, you know, Quentin Tarantino or Frank Capra, or it doesn't matter who great story. Somebody posted the other day, commented on one of my posts that I would be a great leader of a cult. <laughs> what? Because was that because a compliment? Or was... Yeah. Yeah. Because I was so good at, you know, telling stories in a way that shape a perspective. And, you know, if I ever decided to use my powers to build a cult, I probably could. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's what, that's what negative influence leaders do. And whoever you want to choose, you know, for that, whether you want to take current context in the political scene or not, you know, this is what they do. And it's hard to avoid. ability to carry around a high-definition video camera in your pocket and immediately upload to the world video shot with that camera has literally changed the face of an entire industry. As Brett alluded to, there was a time when journalistic integrity required in-depth investigative reporting, fact-checking, and crossing all of those proverbial T's and dotting all those proverbial I's. Now, anyone with an iPhone can become a sort of DIY Anderson Cooper, saying whatever they want. And because people who consume media don't usually take the time to do their own homework, whatever they see or hear, they accept as truth. But does that mean you should chuck the baby out with the bathwater? Is a YouTube or Facebook video created by John Doe 100% unreliable just because you can't see what came before or after it? At what point is there enough information within the context of the video you're seeing when you're able to make a fair and informed judgment? Admittedly, this humble media maker doesn't have an answer to those questions, but I want to get you thinking and start the conversation. As filmmakers, however, we wield even more power. We understand the medium to a point where we have the ability to purposefully inform or deceive. We can use the power of editorial to create propaganda that communicates a particular point of view. We can turn comedies into psychological thrillers and horror into hilarious rom-coms. 
And nowhere in the world of filmmaking is the power of editorial as potentially empowering and even dangerous as in documentary filmmaking. On the next episode of Short Ends, we'll follow up with part two of my Truth in Media miniseries as we look at documentary filmmaking. From wedding films to feature-length docs, truth comes in many forms. And sometimes, all is not what it appears to be. Stay tuned past the credits for an extended and funny bonus segment. Radio Film School is a production of Dare Dreamer FM. This episode was written and produced by me. Chris Huslidge is our co-producer. Radio Film School is a proud member of the Podcastica Network, a small collection of pop culture podcasts that cover topics from your favorite television shows to meditation and health to podcast production. This and other great shows can be found at podcastica.com, the cornucopia of podcasting goodness. Music for this episode was curated from freemusicarchive.org. Links to tracks are in the show notes. If you like what we're doing on the show, please subscribe in iTunes. Your subscription helps the show get found. And while you're there, leave us a rating and review. Another great way you can support the show is becoming a daredreamer.fm premium member. Premium membership helps keep the show going and putting out great weekly content. For a monthly price about the same as a six inch turkey club meal at Subway, you not only support the show, but you get access to ebooks, templates, bonus episodes, discounts, and other products and services, and other resources to help you grow in your craft and your career. Go to daredreamer.fm slash join to learn more. You can follow me on Twitter at daredreamerfm, where I curate links and stories about filmmaking, photography, social media, and marketing and branding. If you just want to stay notified with what's up on the show, follow the show at Radio Film School. If you like this episode, share it on Twitter and email it to a friend. That's it for this week. Remember, if the story sucks, I don't care what you shot it with or cut it on. So, the whole reason for my call with Jaden Yolanda was to record a discussion about the differences between how men and women communicate. After we had finished that conversation, as well as the tangent conversation about YouTube journalism, Right as we were about to hang up, J.D. asked about a text exchange that the three of us had had. One in which Yolanda used my interaction with Ray Roman as an illustration for how male friends and loved ones that she cares about can sometimes still not get the points she tries to convey with respect to what women deal with. That aforementioned illustration was the impetus for the exchange you're about to hear. So here's the thing that maybe is sad is... Because Rodney King was what? That was 95, 94? No, 93, 90, 92. 91? No. 92. Because we were, no, the riots happened happened when we were still in college. It was 92 when I I remember. Well, well, it was because it was after the OJ thing, right? It was was 91. It was 91. Rodney King happened 91, and then the. No, OJ happened after that because OJ, I I, I still test it. I don't think. Wasn't the Rodney King thing related to OJ? No. no. What was no. the Rodney King beating? What was going on? He, the, the, it was just a traffic stop. It happened, and someone happened to catch it on camera. 
And then there was a trial, and the police got off. And no, the riot- no, I remember that. But I, I thought, Ron, I'm about to take your card. I'm no, about dude, to revoke dude. your card. No, seriously, real quick. I Hold thought. Up, dude. I thought the- OJ has nothing to do with Rodney. It, it has well, nothing. Why would it have Oh, oh, they all Rodney. gotta be related now, Ron. No, we no, all no. related all of a sudden. Because, give me your card. Hey, no, Mickey, give me your card. Because I'm tired. At, of just listen. I'm after, a I am a fin. I'm about to shut down. After the police. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. After the police. Come on, think it up. You're a good storyteller. Come on, craft something after, real quick. Right. Wasn't it after the police who I am getting oh, this brother going straight Harry Potter. Storyist, Kratos, <laughs> uh, uh, Come on, dude. I thought that whole thing was like after. The, no, just, Ron. Let me just, tell you what happened. Let's just suffice it to say they're not related. Yes, okay. they're not related, so and the Ronnie King thing happened first. <laughs> That's all you need to know, brother. It happened yes. before OJ getting off. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> Well, your question your was, podcast. here's the thing. Here's what I would say about your question. For the record, I do know that Rodney King happened well before the OJ verdict. I mean, come on. Spike Lee used it in Malcolm X. I was thinking of the original Denny video at the time I was interviewing this. I don't know. What can you say? I'm getting old. Anyway, back to my conversation. But basically, our text exchange where he was like, he was mad at me for comparing you to Ray. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't mad at you. I just thought it was a bad analogy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I my point was you completely missed my no, point. No, I, I didn't completely miss it. I understood <laughs> it. I just think it was a bad analogy. I got what your point was, even from the initial read. But I was like, really? You're going to use that? Really? That's how you're going to frame it? Okay. Well, I was actually upset that of the things that I said, the only thing you chose to hone in on was the fact that I was comparing Ron to Ray, which actually I wasn't. But you did. You used him in a comparison. I'm just saying I, I felt like you were taking a Donald Trump supporter or something, you know, or just some lunatic and using his. No, and precisely my point was Ron had you a conversation. Ron had a conversation with someone who is a friend who he cares about, who they have a good personal relationship with. And right. they had some points that they differed on, some of which Ron was perplexed at Ray not understanding what he was trying to get at. And that was my comparison. Right, but it wasn't as genteel. And that was your only – yes, it was. No, no, Actually, no, wait, no. No, I'm saying Ray, no, up. bring it Ron, up. Ron, we have to record this now because – I haven't stopped. I'm taking here's, notes. Here's, here was my point. This is what I said, and I made – I went a whole long way to be super sugary-coated with what I said, and this is your only takeaway. So it's not my only takeaway. Let take me away. read what – Let me read what I wrote. Yeah. I also meant to mention to you, there's this point about quote unquote good hearts not being enough. Here's what I mean. You were disheartened and perplexed by the exchange you had with that guy about the shootings. And part of that quote unquote bad experience for you was because you know he's a friend and a guy with good intentions and a good heart. Someone with whom you have a good relationship. You both said to each other that you love the other. And yet you found him unable to fully appreciate some of your points, Perrin, and maybe he felt the same about you. That is seldom, but sometimes, seldom in all caps, but sometimes my experience in exchanges with you two super awesome guys with great hearts and great intentions who I love and who love me back. Right. 
But and your takeaway was, I can't believe you compared him. No, to no. Read my no. Now, since you got all persnickety about what you said, let me say what I said. Okay. Because, and but before we move further, let's cap it in the context of what was really going down. You're making it sound like this dude was Ron's, you know, brother from way back when, and they just grew up together or whatnot. This is a guy Ron knows, and Ron likes the guy. But it's not the way you're sugarcoating it is not accurate. This dude is no. You just said you did. I'm, Honestly, fa- I'm using your word. inaccurate about what I wrote about your relationship with this I'm guy? Not, I didn't say that. What I'm saying is you're not putting it in the I proper context. Let's, Ron, Ron, is there anything inaccurate or mischaracterized uh, about what I said? No. And so for all you listeners, what you don't know is this guy's a clan member and goes to three good clan <laughs> meetings. No, he's not. I'm just saying. No, I'm just saying. But it, I only but listen. Wait, said, you just cut me off. I can't talk. You don't want to hear what I got to say. We and we agreed to that. We agreed to that. But okay, you did it. You okay, but you did it without the context of what this guy was saying. He was basically saying that Black Lives Matter is a joke. That it's. I wasn't commenting on what he was course. saying. Of course. But but what I'm saying. My comment was about Ron's feelings about what he was saying, and and I his being that. perplexed at his friend. Not understanding but, some of his points. Got it. But I just think it's a little disingenuous okay, just, when you have the guy. Said. Wait, no. I think it's a little disingenuous. We have the guy who you know that has a, an uh, has an extreme point of view that none of us agree with, and you're going to cap it. You're going to put Ron in that position. I didn't. You did, but but the ahead. fact Read that you just compare. Okay. So then, and Ron, you have my response. You want me to read it? No, oh, no. I got it. I got it right here. I got it. Yeah. I got it. I have it. Okay. So I just say, for what it's probably not going to be worth, I frankly was disheartened and perplexed by your comparison of Ron to his SWAT team buddy. In that situation, you have this one cat arguing about the incendiary Black Lives Matter versus the Blue Lives Matter and how Ron is on the wrong side of the argument and doesn't understand the perils of police officers, that police officers, uh, irrespective of innocent black people being unjustly killed. On the contrary, Ron has explored the issue of sexism in the industry with his female counterparts, but never tried to argue your, down your point of view and categorically told you you were wrong and that you just don't get it as a woman in a man's world and drew a proverbial masculine line in the sand that he wouldn't cross. This dude started a whole damn show dedicated to the issues of women in film. What's more, uh, what more does he have to do? Granted, like every man, he and I have have to truly listen and learn about issues facing women to genuinely appreciate the challenges women face. Just like on the flip side, I would say to a much lesser degree, women also need to listen to truly uh, I'm sorry, need to listen uh, and uh, to truly listen to men, i.e. men are from Mars, women are from 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 Venus. The the differences that we talked about in this very podcast. Yeah. Ultimately. The fact of the matter is that this is all started by Ron trying to get at issues of the, that women face in industry and the world in general. Though Ron has had room to grow or more fully appreciate the complexities of the sexist industry, I don't feel like, uh, he came at you the same way the SWAT team dude did. I got your point, but it's like – I don't know. I just felt like you know you picked uh, an egregious example of this cat that – Ron is not trying to argue you down, and Ron doesn't have this extreme – 
uh, sexist point of view that you're trying to break through and your heart is broken Neither because you Neither of which was the point that I made. But the way you framed it was no, with that. No, it wasn't. I said you guys are super awesome. You have a great heart. You have great intentions. I said seldom. I did all these things and said all these things, none of which you apparently read. No, because got- you just all you Your sole takeaway was that I was comparing Ron to a neo-Nazi. No, that wasn't my, <laughs> that wasn't my sole takeaway. But since you bring it up, I mean, I'm just saying, you compared him with the cop that in no way, shape, or form could understand or see the Black Lives Matter and think that by someone saying Black Lives Matter, that's like saying blue lives don't matter, which is not true at all whatsoever. Okay, and, so I, I think I see what's going on here. JD is interpreting Yo's comment as a comparison of me to Ray, whereas Yo is not comparing me to Ray. Yo is the only thing Yo is comparing is the lack of understanding. Right. The lack Perfect. of comprehension that I have. The lack of comprehension about a fellow friend's point of view about something that seems to be so far off when this is a person that that's correct know, who's hey, are you so far off ron are you that far off from what she's saying because that's what kind of got me i'm like well wait he's not that far off he's no. not that dude no that is not the point that it's wasn't all, her point it's just the instances uh, the the isolated instances seldom as they might be but that sometimes happen where you are you are perplexed that this person your your perception is that this person is not fully grasping what you're trying to say. I understand that point. Across. I understand that point. I'm not that arguing. That was it. That was all it okay, was. Okay, and I just to. said it was a bad analogy. I think it's a bad analogy. All right, fine. Look, Ron. Okay, yeah. we're done. You're, you're like Hitler, Ron, but don't let me sugarcoat this because you're a really sweet guy. That's but exactly what I said. No, I'm just Ron's saying. Like no, Hitler. I'm just saying. You can, you, but you could pick people. Really? When I said super duper awesome guys who have great hearts and great intentions and who love me and I love them back. Ron. That's calling him Hitler. No, but here's the thing. Super duper guys, right? Ron, didn't you email us and tell me that you got heat from other filmmakers or people that knew this guy, your your SWAT team buddy, and mm-hmm. said he was, uh, you know, I can't believe they're like, we're he's... done with you, Ron. We can't believe you interviewed this guy or talked to him. So he sounds like a jerk. I don't know him. I'm not going to say he is. I don't know it, but from you know other people, no, no, it sounds like they got. He was him. I'm, but Yolanda, you're missing my point. I'm just saying you could have made that point without using homie. Without using the SWAT team. No, no. I specifically needed to use that point because Ron probably has not often had the experience where he's dealing with someone who is a friend and who... How do you know? He would who he's making a point to who that friend literally cannot grasp what he's trying to say and Ron not being able to reconcile in his mind... Because Ron finds it so clear or so something right in front of your face and not being able to understand how this person who he knows to be a good intention, good person to not be able to understand and grasp what it is Ron's trying to say. Right. That's why I needed to use that specific example. Okay. But because I feel like he had made a breakthrough and it was part of your podcast last time. You're breaking the glass mm-hmm. podcast where you were like, I'm starting to. I think you were making the point about, you know, me having said, don't say, think like a man or something. You were saying something. Right. And, and I've, and I've recognized a few exchanges you've had recently. I think Facebook things, you know, whatever. And I was like, 
I want to use that as an example because it's a specific time where you're personally experiencing something that women feel like they experience sometimes. Got That's it. why it's relevant but, to you, use him right. for the You keep example. saying that over and I get it. I get that. Understand. But I just, I just said, wow, but Ron's not like, – because in other words, to make that comparison, the way you're framing it, it's like you then become Ron and Ron becomes the cop dude. Basically, that's what you're saying. In the analogy, I know, Ron, you're a super sweet guy. Uh, I love you to death. All right, but you're so, this dude now. All right, so here's – like, In this situation, you're like – and you need to understand like how you felt about trying to – But All right, so this all, is interesting. Wait, wait. Hold beats, up. Hold up. This weren't... is interesting. Hold up. This is interesting because I think this goes to the holistic, the holistic thinking topic that Tazar brought up before. But yeah. I'm on the holistic side this time it would seem. No, actually, actually, you're yeah, not. Yeah, because no, I'm looking not. at all no, of no, it. No. Yeah, I'm looking no. at all these aspects of it. And she's no. like, no, you only got to look at it this way, JD. I'm only saying X, Y, and Z, and that's it in this order. No, and I'm but, saying, no, take everything in the context. You know, no, you can't. I'm not saying that, JD. I'm saying, no, you are. There, there is more to it than just it. It's when you say, Elon, it's very sugar, it's very nice and sweet, and I get it. But, but from no, the, but here's the, I guess here's where you could say here's where you could say. The thinking that you have, JD, is linear. You're saying because you're allowed to use Ray as an example, therefore Ron equals Ray. Because you just said she's she's me in the situation, I'm Ray in the situation, or you said something like that. Right. Versus a more holistic way of thinking it is she's not seeing at all that I'm like Ray. Like in her mind, there is no comparison to Ray. That it it's it's this more. But what I'm saying, but but what I'm saying is, I understand that. But you can't so argue say, him down. Let him finish his point. <laughs> I'm just saying that you can't say that though. It's you like can't say what? I, I just think it's. I just think it's. Um, I think it's cheating in the discussion uh-huh. when you like when you like for example. Yeah. I, I'm. I don't even want to say Ray is this dude because I don't know Ray. He might be a swell, great guy, and you guys might really be great friends. I don't know how long you've known Ray, We're good but friends. I would imagine I mean, that I'm you've known him less friends. time yeah. than I've known yeah. you, right? Okay, Absolutely. so so it's not like your your boyhood friend that you grew up with, or right. you put it this way: you've probably known him half the time, if even that, that you've known Yolanda. Oh, sure, he's a he's okay. a colleague in the industry. I mean, exactly I've seen a him colleague, person, not this super friend that you love. And you know, I mean, dude, they were. Did you read the post? They both were saying, "Hey, dude," like they were trying to understand each other and say, uh, "You know, I love you." They both said, "I love you" to each other. Okay. Guys don't tend to say that to each other okay. unless they have a good relationship. Did right. you even read all the exchange? I'm, all I'm saying is this, that you you could have picked uh, – all I'm just saying is this. Again, I don't know Ray, but lo and behold, even even before – after I wrote that text, you chimed back in and said a lot of people flamed on you because you even entered a discussion with Ray. Well, now there was a major, couple people. Well, but. but enough that they, they hit you back and said, I can't believe you had a discussion with this guy. He's a big jerk. Yeah, basically. but they're – but their reasoning, their so it's like again, I guess part of the we'll problem go around is- the mulberry bush all day. My only point I'm trying to make is that <laughs> could it be fair to say that Ray is someone that rubs people the wrong way? Absolutely, because of certain oh, yeah, attitudes. he absolutely does. Okay, that's all I'm saying. So and and. And so much so that people chimed in and felt the need to, to contact you and say, "I can't believe privately you they talked did, to this." Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I'm just saying that it's like, okay, now Yolanda comes at you saying this stuff, and I get her point. I understand that it's a situation where here's someone that you, you know, that you have respect for, you love or whatever, and 
she and she was saying that you know you were perplexed that he just couldn't get it and that's how she felt when she was trying to describe things to you and I about certain things and I'm like okay but that kind of puts us in the boat with this dude who it, it, when I, at least from the discussion you have with us about him he drew a line in the sand mm-hmm. and he said and so I'm taking in all the things in account right. that this guy's about and how he's going to come at you and argue you down about something and for me I don't feel at least for me personally, I don't feel like I was trying to argue her down. No. I don't feel like – and I, I was looking at the whole context of who this Ray character is. And I just found it interesting she would use him to make that point, right. which she made easily. And she could have done without even – you know. but she said, okay, but I used him because it, it spoke right to the heart of what we're saying. And I almost felt like it, it just – I mean, I couldn't make it in a va- – I couldn't make the point in a vacuum because – there's not the relatability of it right? without that example. I get that. I get that. I just – I guess what it, – it just made me kind of feel in a certain way though that like, wow, OK. So, Ron, you remember the, 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 the racist cop? I'm not, I'm not saying Ray is, but just from the, 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 this obnoxious cop. Saying? I'm just saying, remember the obnoxious cop that you talked to, Ron? You're just like him. I just want to make this point that you know how you were frustrated. You couldn't get through to this I guy. Go. I have a business associate who's called me for the for the third time now. Okay, we will probably take this up again. It's very- yeah, we should table this because I just you know. <laughs> okay. I, I, again, it's just like I, I get this. I get her point, and right. I'm not. I'm not saying that's a bad point. It's like wow, that's just a yeah. I mean, it's like, Ron, Ron you, you can't talk long enough. I mean, you, you talk too much on your own podcast, yeah, and then you're getting compared to this cat when you want to make a point. It's like, okay, okay, I see. All right. Um, this was good. You're taking yeah. ridiculous personal offense. I'm, I'm, no, I'm just saying. <laughs> Yo, you need to call your friend back. Yeah, yeah go call him. Really? i just like, what does Ron got to do? I mean, I, I don't know how much later, more Ron. back bends he's got to do to. Okay, talk to you later. All right, bye. Hey, J.D., we'll yeah. I got to get the podcast up. Yeah, do your thing, man. All right, man. This has been good. <laughs> All right. All right take it easy. Bye. You're listening to Dare Dreamer FM, the sound of creative expression. Hmm? Ah! Oh. Podcast begun.